Amen. Um, but I, I really feel like today that I'm going to just try to do some, some teaching again. And that's what this really is, is our adult Bible class. And uh, if you don't realize that, just look around and realize all the kids and the Sunday school teachers are all gone. And they're all in their various classes. And we've got some exciting things we're working on um, for Sunday school coming up. And um, talk more about that once we get some details and some bugs worked out. We will talk to you about it. But some very exciting things, things I'm excited about. I believe you will be as well. But here in the adult Bible class, we're going to go to the Bible. So hopefully you brought a Bible with you. And if you didn't, we have them in the back of the pew because this is Bible study time. And that's what we're going to do. We're going to study the scripture. And so we're going to go back to our text that we used two weeks ago, the book of Numbers. If you would open there, we're going to read three verses of scripture from different chapters in Numbers. And then we're going to the book of Judges to read one verse of scripture from the book of Judges. So the book of Numbers will be starting in chapter 2 and then skipping uh, to a couple of other chapters and then going to Judges chapter 20. And I'll, I'll give you time to find Numbers chapter 2. Numbers chapter 2. And we will read verse number 9. Those of you that were in that Bible class uh, will know where we're going with these verses. Those who were not... Just bear with me, I will do a review and try to bring you up to speed, and hopefully the review won't get me too sidetracked, I'll be able to cover some new ground today. But that happens sometimes, and I don't apologize for it. Numbers chapter 2 and verse number 9, the Bible says, all that were numbered in the camp of Judah were in hundred thousand and fourscore thousand and six thousand and four hundred. That's 186,400 throughout their armies. And then notice, these shall set forth, uh, these shall first set forth. That is Judah shall first set forth. Going now to chapter 7, Numbers chapter 7, verse number 12. Numbers 7, verse 12. And he that offered his offering the first day was Nashon, the son of Amminadab, of the tribe of Judah. The offering the first day. The first offering the first day. In 12 days of making offerings. 12 tribes giving to God. God said the first to offer is Judah. Then Numbers chapter 10 and verse 14. Numbers 10, verse number 14. Numbers 10, 14. In the first place went the standard of the camp of the children of Judah according to their armies. And over his host was Nashon the son of Amminadab. And so again, this is a description of the Israelites going out to battle. And the first to leave the camp 
the first to fly their standard, which is an old English word for flag. Each of these 12 tribes had their own flag. They called a standard, and it flew over that tribe. And the first, the first place went the standard or the flag of the camp of the children of Judah. All right, and then Judges chapter 20 and verse 18. Judges 20. Judges chapter 20 and verse 18. Judges 20 verse 18. And the children of Israel arose and went up to the house of God and asked counsel of God and said, Which of us? shall go up first to the battle against the children of Benjamin. And the Lord said, Judah shall go up first. Judah shall go up first. And so we see in these verses of Scripture that whether it was the children of Israel simply moving through the wilderness, when it was time for them to tear down their tents, And begin to move because the cloud that led them was moving. Whether it was just simply a move. Or it was an offering to God. Or it was going to war. God was clear. There's one tribe that I want to lead everything and everybody. And it's the tribe of Judah. And so today we're going to again be talking about Judah first. And this is part two, and I'll tell you, I've got enough notes here for part three and maybe part four, I don't know, but but we, we will do our best to get some of this done here today in part two of Judah first. Everyone say Judah first. Amen. May God bless the reading of his word to your hearts. You may be seated. Now, as I mentioned, I want to take a few moments and I want to do some review. I want to, uh, for the sake of those who were not here for that first lesson, I want to explain to you what we are talking about and the purpose behind this title, Judah First. Uh, As those of you that have been at the Truth Church for any length of time can testify, a title is important to me. And uh, to me, a title uh, carries a lot of significance. In in the homiletics class that I taught last Monday night, um, it was mentioned that uh, a minister that was very well known made a statement about people uh, remembering his message some 30 years later. And he said, really, the fact is they don't remember the message. They can't tell you a lot of the details of the message, but what they remember is the title. And if they can remember the title, then usually that gives them a clue as to what the message is really all about. And, um, and so I, I agree that titles are generally important, and I try to give you a title. So if I'm going to give you a title like Judah first, and I want you to remember this series of lessons, then I think I at least owe it to you to explain 
what I'm talking about. Now, listen, I'm, I'm uh, trying to regain my strength, but you all have strength this morning, so please don't respond in kind. I need you to respond like apostolics this morning. I need your help today. Praise God. Hallelujah. That's what will get me up out of this chair if there's good response flowing. There's got to be a connection between the pulpit and the pews. So help me out today. Would you help me out? Help me out. I, I struggle enough as it is. I need, I need some help today. Praise God. Amen. Now in each verse of our text, God specifically ordered the tribe of Judah to be first in whatever he was ordering the Jewish people to do. And I asked the question in that first lesson, why would God bestow this distinct honor uh, on Judah to lead Israel, whether in fighting or simply moving forward or giving offerings? Why would God put this honor on the tribe of Judah. Normally, the highest honors went to the firstborn child. Judah was not the firstborn. He was the fourth of 12 sons that was born. And so, really, this right was not his by birth. The right belonged to Reuben by birth, but Reuben didn't get the right. God bypassed Reuben and Simeon, and he, he goes all the way down to Judah, and he puts the honor upon Judah. And furthermore, you know, from the beginning, way back in the Garden of Eden, God had promised that one was going to come that would bruise the head of the serpent. There was, in the very beginning, a promise of a coming Messiah. And then when God began to identify where this Messiah would come from, the prophecies were clear that he would come from the tribe of Judah. Again, what an honor to bestow upon a tribe. Now, it wasn't bestowed upon Judah himself because Judah was, was less than praiseworthy. Judah, as a man, obviously had a lot of problems when you start studying. I, I believe that the issues with his sons, two of them, two of his three sons killed by the Lord, judged by God for their wicked deeds. Now look, when you got two out of three being struck down by God, I got a feeling daddy had a problem. I can understand a child going rogue, but but two out of three being so bad God would strike them down, it seems to me dad didn't do something. He either did something wrong or he didn't do something right. And especially after the first one was struck down, you'd think the second one would have enough wits about him to say, I'm not going to do the same thing. But he didn't. He didn't. And then Judah himself uh, got involved in some things. And so anyhow, that's another story for another day. But there was a reason why God chose to put this honor on Judah, that he would be first and that he would be the tribe that would produce the coming Messiah. And I pointed out to you that when you go back to the time of Judah's birth and you begin to look at the attitude 
and the mindset of his mother Leah. Leah, you remember, was the hated bride of Jacob. Jacob was the father of these 12 men who became tribes. And, and Jacob was married to Leah, not by his own choice. He got stuck with her. That's a fact. His father-in-law pulled a dirty trick on him. Gave him the wrong girl, intentionally. That's, that's, that's pretty low down. I mean, that's really low down. Jacob, now, Jacob, I, I, don't, I don't want to get too sidetracked in all this, but Jacob had it coming. Jacob was a deceiver. His very name meant deceiver. So, you know, when you spend your life deceiving, you're going to reap what you sow. But even for Jacob, that's a low-down trick. Go through the wedding ceremony and find out the next morning the bride that walked down the aisle was not the bride you wanted. Surprise, 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 right? No thank you. But that's what happened. And Jacob did not love Leah, but she was his wife. And he had an obligation to take care of her because she was his wife. But he hated her. That's what the Bible says. She was hated. And so God said, you know, I love those that are despised. I love those that are rejected. Aren't you glad that's the way God feels? Aren't you glad God is not just a God for the well-known and the famous and the rich and the popular? Come on, somebody. We're talking about a God that cares about us regardless of our station in life. No matter how low we sink, no matter the degradation of sin we get involved in, God loves the rejected, the dejected, the depressed, the lonely. That's the kind of God we serve. So he looked upon Leah and her hatred and said, I'll tell you what, I know what Jacob wants. He wants sons. So guess what, Leah? I'm going to give you sons. So Leah started having sons. And, uh, you know, she named one judge. She said, God judge the situation. And she named each of her kids. Uh, but it was all really based, when you read it, we took the time to read these verses, it was based on how she felt her husband was going to respond to her after the birth of each child. And with, with the first three sons that were born, she's thinking each time, boy, my husband's really going to love me now. But he didn't. And her husband's heart was never turned to her. And so a fourth son came along. And this time, instead of naming him based on what she thought her husband's reaction would be, when the fourth son was born, she said, Now will I praise the Lord. 
In other words, forget about what my husband thinks. Forget about whether or not he's ever going to love me. I realize God has put a blessing on me and God's love means more to me than anything else. And so she said, I'm going to name this baby Judah. Judah means praise. I'm naming this baby praise. And every time I hold that baby and every time I cuddle that baby and every time I nurse that baby, I'm going to remember, I'm going to praise the Lord. I'm going to praise God. I'm going to give God my worship because he has been good to me. I understand it didn't fix her situation. But... She did realize the blessing of God was on her regardless of what anybody else thought. You know, sometimes that's the perspective we just have to get. Sometimes we just have to say, you know what? If the world hates me, they hate me. But God loves me. And that's really all that matters. If my family rejects me, they reject me. But God has accepted me. And that's all that matters. Well, praise God. Amen, amen, amen. And so she named this baby praise. And I submit to you that, I believe, is the reason why. God said, if you're getting ready to move to another area, why don't you start out with praise? If you're getting ready to offer something to God, why don't you start out with praise? If you are about to fight the devil before you start giving curses to the devil, why don't you sing some praises to God? Let Judah go first. Let praise be before anything and everything else. Oh, hallelujah. Your praise ought to always go first. Amen. Jesus even taught us in what we call the Lord's Prayer. And really, I don't like that title, and I think you figure that out when I, because just about every time I mention it, I clarify. That is the name it goes by, but it was not the Lord's Prayer. The disciples asked him, teach us to pray. And so he said, this is how you ought to pray. It was the disciples' prayer, not his He was giving that sample to them. Hallelujah. But anyhow, in teaching them how to pray, he said, after this manner, pray. Now, he didn't say repeat these words. And you know, that's important. That's important in so many things, and I don't want to get too sidetracked, but that's important in so many things because so many people get hung up on repeating what's said rather than obeying what said that's why people go and baptize saying father son and holy ghost because they're just repeating something they read they're not obeying it if you obey what jesus commanded he said baptize in the name and father is not a name son is not a name holy ghost is not a name If you just say, I baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, all you did was repeat him. You didn't obey him. You haven't obeyed him until you baptize in the name that's above every name. For neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. 
You haven't obeyed Matthew 28, 19 until you've obeyed Acts 2, 38. If you just said those words, all you did was repeat. You didn't obey. And the same thing happens with what is called the Lord's Prayer. People get that and they want to memorize it and then they think they're praying when they say those words. That's not what Jesus intended. He didn't intend for us just to repeat the words. He wanted us to put in practice the principles he shared in that prayer. And one of the first things we see in that prayer, he said, after this manner, pray ye, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. You know what that is? That's praise. Long before he says, give us this day our daily bread, he's giving the Father praise. See, this is why we get it wrong so many times, Brother Larson. We want to go to God in prayer and say, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me. Here's what I need, God. You see this situation. You see what I'm going through. You understand my problem. You know how the devil's fighting me. Listen to me. Jesus said, when you pray, start out with praise. Learn how to go in with praise. I think, Brother Hilton, I think, uh, he, now he read, did a lot of Bible reading. I, I thought maybe he had the preacher's itch this morning. He, he, he did a lot of Bible reading in between the songs. But I think one of the passages that he read was Psalm 100. And, and, and what, a, what a psalm that is. That's not in my notes. It was two weeks ago. But, but there is something in Psalm 100 that we really do need to pay attention to. Amen. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord. All your land serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence. Come before his presence. Come before his presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, he is God, it is he who hath made us, and not we ourselves, we are his people, and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving, and into his courts with praise. Enter with thanksgiving, enter with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name, for the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting, and his truth endures to all generations. Enter into his gates. Enter into his courts. Come before his presence. That's why I said two weeks ago, when you come to church, don't come in here dragging. Look, the world may be falling apart, but there's a reason why this is called a sanctuary. You know what a sanctuary is? It's a safe haven. Years ago, I lived in a small community, and, and they advertised that they were a, a bird sanctuary. A bird sanctuary. Now, what that means, I mean, that's, it's, it's, a, it's a, a viable term. Um, in Africa, they have wildlife sanctuaries. All right, the word sanctuary is not limited just to the church. But we got to get an understanding of what that word means. The town that said they were a bird sanctuary, what that meant was, I don't care what kind of bird it is and I don't care what it's doing, you can't kill it in the city limits. This is a safe place for birds. Same thing's true in a wildlife sanctuary. If that's what it's called, I don't care how ferocious the lion is, you can't kill it in that sanctuary. 
That's why I was glad when they said unto me, let's go to the house of the Lord. Because when I get in here, this is a sanctuary. This is not a place of death. This is a place of life. This is a place of healing and not a place of destruction. This is a place where I'm going to be built up, not a place where I'm going to be torn down. This, this, this is the house of God. It's a sanctuary. It's a safe place. And so I'm telling you, if, if, if your world is falling apart outside these doors, somehow you got to make a mental note when you open the front door of the church. I'm not walking in there depressed. I'm not walking in there sad. I'm not walking in there down. Now, you might not be able to change your attitude, but this is what you can do. You can change your response. You may not be able to just push a button and say, okay, I'm no longer depressed. But I tell you what you can do. You can push a button and say, from this moment forward, I'm walking through these doors. I'm walking into that sanctuary with praise on my lips. Whether I feel like praising or not is irrelevant. It doesn't matter what I feel like. God commanded me to enter with praise. God commanded me to come before him with singing. God commanded me to enter with thanksgiving. I'm telling you, it'll change you. It'll change you if you'll learn how to walk in the doors praising God. Well, hallelujah. I, I, I wish somebody would just start taking me literally. I, I wish once in a while while I'm sitting in my office trying to finish things up, somebody would walk through the doors with a big shout. Hallelujah. You say, oh, everybody will look at me. Let them look. Because I know somebody else is going to look at you. It's him. You do that, and he's going to be looking down, smiling. Say, the others may not like that too well, but I love it. Amen. Enter, 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 enter with praise. Enter with thanksgiving. Come before with singing. If you don't want to shout hallelujah, at least walk in and say thank you, Jesus. At least walk in singing amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I know I got it bad out there, but I don't have it bad in here. While I'm in here, I'm in a sanctuary. While I'm in here, everything's all right. While I'm in here, I'm in the presence of Jehovah. I can forget my problems. I can forget my worries. I can forget my cares when I come into the sanctuary. Judah first. Judah first. Praise before anything else. Praise. Amen. I pointed out I ain't got past the review. Lord, help me, Jesus. I pointed out two weeks ago the Messiah. You can tell how winded I am. I got to sit back down. Hallelujah. We'll get there. We'll get there.
It's coming. Uh, so I pointed out how the Messiah came through the tribe of Judah. The Messiah, the anointed one. The anointed one. That's what Messiah means. The anointed one. He is the Savior. He is the Deliverer. He is the Healer. The Messiah came through Judah. He is the Lion of the tribe of Judah. The Messiah came through Judah. The anointing came through Judah. Healing came through Judah. Deliverance came through Judah. Salvation came through Judah. What is it that you need today? I'm telling you the answer is send Judah first. You need the Messiah to show up. You need the deliverer, the healer, the encourager, the uplifter, the strengthener. Whatever you need, he's going to come when you send up Judah. Oh, I just feel too bad. I just feel too bad. Well, listen, honey, you're not going to feel any better sitting there feeling sorry for yourself. I, I, I'm not trying, to, not trying to belittle your problems, but I'm just telling you the truth. You're not going to get better sitting there fretting over your situation. But you can get better if you'll start sending Judah. The Messiah comes through Judah. But thou art holy, O thou that inhabitest the praises of Israel. Did you get that? He inhabits praise. You know what you're doing when you lift your hands? You know what you're doing when you shout amen? You know what you're doing when you run the aisles? You're building God a house to live in. You're building God a house to live in. Here you go, God. I want to build you a house today. I need you to come and sit here for a while. I got to talk to you. I need to worship at your feet. I want you to know you're welcome in this house. Woo! come on build him a house build him a house I'll get to my notes in a moment build him a house Jesus. 
not everybody's going to praise the same way. I know. I couldn't make, I couldn't run and make it to the back of the building right now if I had to. I don't have the energy and strength, but not everybody is going to praise the same way. But everybody can praise in some way. It's been a while since I've talked about it. But I'm telling you, God was gracious to this, to this man right here. Those that have never heard my story, I, I came to God. I received the Holy Ghost, was baptized in Jesus' name at the age of 12, but nobody in my family, nobody, my parents, my siblings, nobody in my family was living for God. Nobody. I was the only one. God helped me. God helped me to win my family, my parents, my brothers, and my 88-year-old grandmother. God filled her with the Holy Ghost, and she was baptized in Jesus' name. She was confined to a wheelchair. Now, that little old church where we prayed through back in 1972, ancient history for some of you. Stone Age for some of you. Might as well be. 1972. Uh, we prayed through in that little church. They didn't have padded pews. They were just wood slats. And they were uncomfortable. They didn't have carpet on the floor. That too was wood slats. And I'm telling you, we'd wheel my grandmother into church in that wheelchair every service. In fact, it got to the place it wore ruts in the wood floor. She was there every service. And I'm going to tell you something about Grandma. The Holy Ghost to get to moving. Grandma couldn't run the aisles. Grandma couldn't dance. She couldn't really shout real loud. She'd, she'd get as loud as she could, but that wasn't real loud. She didn't get her hands very high. But I'll tell you what she did. 88 years old, and the Holy Ghost start moving. Grandma reached down with her feet, lift one foot up off those foot rests, whatever they're called, the pedals there, you know. Not pedals, I guess, but foot rests. She, she'd reach down there with her foot, and she'd flick one of them up, put that foot on the floor, and reach over the other foot and flick that one up, put the other foot on the floor to the best of her ability She'd stomp her feet for everything she was worth. She wanted everybody to know it wasn't much, but it was the best grandma could give. And she was determined, I'm going to praise the Lord. Come on. I've watched Brother Paul Ogle. Who, who's, who is paralyzed from the waist down, sit in a wheelchair and the Holy Ghost get to moving and he'll start wheeling himself. He can't run the aisles. He'll wheel himself around the aisles. What's our excuse? I stayed up too late last night. I didn't get enough sleep. I got a tummy ache. What's our excuse? I'm saying send Judah first. Send Judah first. Whatever's going on in your life, you got a right, you got a reason, you got an obligation. Praise God. Give God praise. God is good even when life is bad. 
Jesus. Ah, it's in my notes, but it's way, 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 way down the list, almost to the end. So don't worry about trying to pull it up, but there's an interesting statement made in Psalm 150. The psalmist said, praise you the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. That's a command. Praise him in the firmament of his mighty power. Praise him for his mighty acts. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Now, I want you to notice, and thank you, sister, for getting it up there, but I want you to notice he didn't say praise him according to how you feel today. He didn't say praise him according to what's going on in your life. He didn't say praise him according to how much money's in your bank account. Well, I'm losing some of you right now. He didn't say praise him if you're popular and everybody loves you. He said praise him according to his excellent greatness. And you know, even when the world is terrible, God's still great. I said God is still great. And no matter what's going on, his greatness has not diminished. In fact, if you've listened to the podcast uh, for, for the last month, uh, you know that his greatness just keeps getting better and better and better and better. It doesn't get worse. God just keeps getting better. So if that's true, and we're supposed to praise him according to his excellent greatness, then that means our praise ought to keep getting greater and greater and greater and greater. It shouldn't diminish. It shouldn't let up. It may not be as fervent when we get older. It may not be as fast when we've got some age on us. But there still ought to be that glimmer in our heart that says I'm going to praise him. Whatever I've got to do, however I've got to do it, I'm going to praise him. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm going to praise him with all that's in me. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that is within me. My pastor, now I'm not this way, especially the older I get. But when I was growing up, my pastor would get on us if he saw us in the congregation, get out here where everybody can see. If he saw us in the congregation doing this, he was a he was a navy man. He said that's half mast. He said, "Get your hands up where they belong." <laughs> well, hallelujah! That was my pastor. That was that was that was the way he did things. He was a unique man. 
Amen. No half masks. Get your hands Get your hands up there where they belong. I, I, I can promise you this. Somebody puts a gun to your back, you're not going to do this. And you know why? Because you want them to know you are fully surrendered. When it's like this, you might be going for a gun, you know, shoulder holster. If it's just half-mast, they don't know. But you don't want to make any mistake. You don't want them making any mistake. I don't want God making any mistake. I don't want God to think I'm looking for some way out of this. And I don't want the devil to make any mistake. And I don't want the people to make any mistake. I want everybody to know. I surrender, Lord. Not because you're putting a gun to my back. I do it willingly. I do it because I love you. I do it because I know you've got my best interest at heart. I do it because all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. That's why I surrender to you. Woo! Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. All right, all right, all right. Now I'm supposed to be, supposed to be teaching. This seemed like this happened to me two weeks ago. Seemed like it happened to me Tuesday night. I think I'm developing a pattern here. I'm supposed to be teaching. So, let me see if I can put it in teaching mode. Let me just say today to everybody that is present and to those that are listening online and by the way we're thankful for those that listen online whether I think to mention it uh, each service or not I do want you to know we do appreciate it but we really do want you in God's house this is the sanctuary I, I know you can pray at home I know you can feel God at home but this is the sanctuary And ever so often, you need to be in the sanctuary. In fact, the apostle said you need to do it so much the more as you see that day approaching. You ought to be in church more often the closer we get to the coming of the Lord. And I just have this feeling we're really close right about now. Uh, With with talk of Russia taking over nuclear plants. Do you understand where we stand in history right now? I'm not making predictions and I'm not prophesying. I'm just saying. It's, uh, things could go really crazy really quickly. And, uh, and, um, it'd be good to be in the sanctuary. Uh, it'd be good to be in the sanctuary. And he said, so much the more as you see that day approaching. And I do believe I see that day approaching. So you ought to be in God's house more and more. All right. So teacher mode. Let me see if I can kick into teacher mode here for a little while. I want to say to everybody that's present and everybody that's listening online. That's where I started. Old preachers never die. They just lose their text and wander. But I have come back. So I'm not an old preacher. All right. I've come back. I'm not an old preacher. So, I want to tell you that everything we do in our worship is in the Bible. There's a Bible 
verse or principle behind every form of worship we offer to God. Every form of praise, I should say. And the difference between worship and praise is another Bible study for another day. I'll have to get into that at a later time. I don't have time for it now. We're talking about praise because that's what Judah means. But I want to tell you that everything we do as far as praising God, it really is in the Bible. And, and I'm not here to throw anybody else under the bus, but I'm going to tell you if this is not going on, then people are simply not obeying the Bible. Don't look at those who obey the Bible as being crazy. How can I say this nicely? How can I keep this PC? Look at those who don't do these things as non-compliant. How's that? They're non-compliant with the scriptures. Because the scripture lays it out for us. What's expected? And, and, and I just, I've, I've been there, I've sat through dead, dull, boring church services. I've, I've been there. I know what it's about. Uh, I don't like it. And I'm going to tell you based on the scripture, God doesn't like it either. You know, Jesus said we are, uh, or, or not Jesus, the apostle said that we are lively stones, not tomb stones. Some churches are cemeteries with a lot of tombstones on the pew. We need to be a sanctuary with lively stones on the pew. Well, hallelujah. All right, so let's, let's just go through some scripture here. Now, we're finally going to get to scripture. So I got my, the golden voice, the golden voice of Face the Truth broadcast is reading for me today. And uh, so we're going to, we got a lot of scriptures to read. Uh, Acts 1, no, I'm sorry, John 4, verse 24. Let's start at the, at the start, start at the beginning. John 4, verse 24, Jesus said this. God is a spirit. God is a spirit. And they that and worship now, him. Now, 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 hang on, hang on. Who is speaking? Who's speaking? Now, I told you who was speaking, but um, if you got your Bible, if you opened your Bible, it doesn't appear on our wall in this color, but if you've got a red letter edition Bible, then these, this verse is written in red letters. So you'll know Jesus is the one speaking here. So Jesus is speaking, and that's important because of what he says. God is a spirit, and, and they that, worship, they that him worship him. Now wait, they that worship him, what? Must. All right, now I want you to look at that. Jesus said, must. That's pretty significant if you ask me. He didn't say they should. He said they must worship him. How? In spirit. In spirit. And in truth. And in truth. Now, I've had some people who want to make a big deal out of the fact that the S in spirit here is a small S. Don't, don't get hung up on capital letters and small letters for the most part. 
you have to look at the context of a verse because it's the exact same Greek word in both instances in this verse. It was the translators who decided that did not mean to worship in God's spirit. Um, I, I think, can I say this? I think the translators made a mistake because he starts out by saying God is a spirit or literally the word a, there is no a in the Greek language. Uh, God is spirit. He says God is spirit and they that worship this spirit must worship him in spirit. I believe he's talking about in God's spirit and in truth because he's not talking about our truth. It's God's truth. So Jesus lays down absolute requirements. You know, I, I, this could take me a while if I'd spent all the time that I need to spend on it. But let me just say, if, if you want further research, go back to the book of Genesis and look at the fact that the very first offerings ever made to God, God did not accept everything offered to him. So people say, well, I'm giving it to God. He'll accept it. No, that's not the case. From the very beginning, God made it clear that there were some things he would accept and there were some things he would reject. And then you carry that on. You get on into Deuteronomy and Leviticus and Numbers. You start reading where there were certain offerings and sacrifices God would not accept. People could not just bring to God anything they wanted to bring. And this carries on throughout the scripture. And so we need to understand that even when it comes to worship, God doesn't just accept any kind of worship. He accepts the worship that he spells out for us. That's why he used the word must. They that worship him must. Everyone say must. must. They that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. So there's two requirements. And one of them is it's got to be in spirit. God's spirit's got to be involved in this process. It's got to be involved in this process. And I'm going to tell you, if you walk into a place and you don't feel the Spirit of God, it's going to be hard to get in the Spirit. Now, you try praise because if you'll send praise first, if God's going to come, that's how he'll come. But if you continue to praise and you still don't feel God there, my recommendation is it's time to leave. Don't try to make God go someplace where he obviously doesn't want to go. If praise doesn't bring him there, he doesn't want to come. So worship him in spirit. His spirit needs to be a part and in truth. Now, what is truth? Come on, somebody ought to have an answer on the top of the tip of their tongue. What is truth? Somebody said it. God's word, John 17, 17. Thy word is truth. God's word is truth. So if we worship him in spirit and in truth, that means that we got to do it the way the Bible tells us to do it. Right? That's what the truth is, the Bible, the word of God. 
So let me just take you through some scriptural reasons here. And I've got just a few minutes. I'm going to try to take you through some scriptural reasons why we do the things we do. And let you see and know that we're not just crazy. Now we're crazy about Jesus. And you know, it's amazing that people can be sports fans, but religious fanatics. Isn't that amazing the way they do that? If, if you're a fan of sports, you're just a fan. But if you're a fan of, of Jesus, you're a fanatic. Do you know that those words have the exact same root and really mean the same thing? Fan is just an abbreviated word for fanatic. When you say, I'm a sports fan, you're saying, I'm a sports fanatic. So if I say, I'm a Jesus fanatic, I'm just saying, I'm a Jesus fan. There's no difference between the meaning of the words. Look them up. So, so you can take a sports fan and he can jump and scream and dance, pour beer on somebody's head, paint his belly red. No, that, uh, seriously. Well, if you do it, I don't want to see it. I mean, they do everything. Paint their faces up, wear costumes, because they want the world to know I am a fan. But walk in church, you be quiet, you don't move. You don't let anybody tell you how to live, how to dress, how to act. No, no, no. If you do those things, you're a fanatic. I'm just a fan, but you're a fanatic. It's amazing. They can do all these things in a sports stadium, but you can't do it in a sanctuary. Well, I'm going to tell you that really it's the same thing. It's really praise. It's praise. They're praising their heroes. I didn't say worship. There's a difference between worship and praise. But they're praising their heroes. And they don't mind going to extremes to praise their heroes. And so why should we mind going to extremes to praise our hero? As long as we do it in spirit and in truth. So we don't, we don't just come up with things off the wall. I, I've, I've seen it all in my day. I've lived long enough, I could tell you some stories. I've seen people put their arms to their side and slither under pews like a snake. Not me. Furthermore, I'm going to a different pew. I don't like snakes, animal or human. Well, praise God. 
I've seen it all. I'm telling you, I've seen it all. I have seen it all. But what I want to do is I want to show you that what goes on around here is in truth. It's in the word of God. All right? And, and by the way, if somebody does get out of hand and tries some of that stuff, I promise you I have no problem tapping them on the shoulder and saying, <clears throat> excuse me. <laughs> um, we do a lot of things, but that we don't do. All right, so first of all, let me just explain to you, and that's what I want to do. This is teaching mode now, all right? We've had our shout, now can I teach for a few minutes? First of all, a lot of churches, and again, I'm not trying to throw them under the bus, but I'm trying to say, why is this place different? A lot of places where you go, if they're going to pray, there'll be one person praying and everyone else must listen quietly. It seems to me they have this idea that God can't hear more than one person at a time which I wonder how you figure out that there's nobody else anywhere in the world praying at the same moment. If God can only hear one at a time, how do you know when you start praying there's not somebody praying in Ukraine? There probably is. Hello? So why do we pray together and do it out loud? Acts chapter 1, verse 14, and by the way, uh, I borrowed some verses, took them from the scripture, but, but I did talk to Brother James Self, who uh, the Self family, the Thompson family, they are in Springfield uh, for the dedication of his grandchild. And so that's a momentous occasion, and so uh, I said, man, go on, this, you need to be there, Grandpa, and we need to keep reminding him he's a grandpa, praise God. Um, <laughs> But that's where they're at uh, this morning. But, but I did, he did a Bible study uh, on the subject of worship and praise. And, and uh, I did ask him, I said, could I, could I just take maybe a few things? And so some of the scriptures I, I, uh, I saw in his study and pulled them into what I had here. So I just I wanted to give him credit for that. This is not his study, but I did want to give him credit for that. All right. Um, so we pray together out loud because Acts chapter 1, verse 14. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brethren. Now this is the first church before there was a church. This is as the crowd gathered in the upper room. The Bible says that they all continue with one accord in prayer. It doesn't say they took turns in prayer. They were all praying together. And we know the ultimate outcome of them praying together. Acts chapter 2 and verse 1 tells us when the day of Pentecost was fully come, what happened, right? Suddenly there was a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. So God honored this praying together. Acts chapter 4, verse 24, listen to this. And when they heard that, when they, heard that they lifted up they their voice. They lifted up their voice. To God, to God with, with one, one accord. accord. They lifted up their voice to God with one accord. Not one person lifted up his voice and then the next one and then the next one. Not they took turns lifting up their voices. But they together, the group, lifted up their voice with one accord. So that's the way it was done in the early church. And that's the way we do it here. Praise God. 
All right, let's move on. Why do we lift our hands? What's the purpose? I talked a little bit about surrender, but let me just show you there's more to it than just symbolism. There's scripture. Nehemiah 8, verse 6, and I just took these in order as they appear in your Bible. They're not in order of importance. They're just in order uh, as they appear in the Bible. So read, Nehemiah 8, 6. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered, amen, amen. All the people answered, amen, amen, with lifting lifting up their hands. All the people were lifting up their hands. Well, hallelujah. And they bowed their heads and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Amen. So there was a process. They lifted up their hands and then they bowed their heads, put their faces to the ground. You'll see some of that around here from time to time as well. Amen. People with their faces on the ground in prayer and worship before God. Psalm 63 verse 4. Thus will I bless thee while I live. This is how I'm going to bless you while I'm alive. I will lift, I up, will my lift hands up my hands in, thy, in name. thy name. Psalm 134, verse 2. Lift up your hands in the sanctuary and bless now the Lord. Now, this is not just saying what somebody else does. This is a biblical command. Lift up your hands in the sanctuary. That's why I said if a church does not do this, they are non-compliant. That's a nice way of saying disobedient. If you hadn't figured that out. They are not doing what the Bible tells them to do. Lift up your hands in the sanctuary. Amen. Uh, Lamentations 3 verse 4. Let us lift up our heart with our hands unto God in the heavens. I like this. Let us lift up our heart with our hands. Don't let it just be that I'm going through the motions. Don't let it just be that, okay, I got my hand in the air. That's what the preacher asked me to do. But here's what we ought to do. Lift up your heart with your hands unto God. You ought to see it that way. When my hands go up, my heart's going up. I'm reaching out to God with my heart. I'm telling God I love him. And then you want New Testament? How about 1 Timothy 2, verse 8? I will therefore that men everywhere. The Apostle Paul writing under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost said, I will that men pray everywhere. Lifting up holy hands. Lifting up holy hands. Without wrath and doubting. Without wrath and doubting. This is what the Bible commands us to do, Old Testament and New Testament. The lifting of the hands is a biblical mandate. Amen. Why do we run the aisles and roll in the floor? Now, I, I, years ago, years ago, I asked a church I was pastoring. I said, I'm going to give you an assignment. I want you to find a scripture for me. I said, some people roll on the floor when they worship God. I, wanted, I want you to find a scripture for me where, where that would okay that. And, uh, man, they tried. They tried. I'm going to give you one today. They didn't ever find it. But when I showed it to them, they saw it. But first, let's talk about running. Psalm 18 verse 29. For by thee I have run through a troop, and by my God have I leaped over a wall. Now David's not talking physically, he's talking spiritually. He's saying there is a troop, a spiritual troop that's come against me, and I ran right through it. They've tried to build a wall to stop me, and I jumped right over it. But I didn't do it by my own ability. I did it by the power of God. And I'm going to tell you, you know what's going on when people are running these aisles? They realize there's a spiritual troop that's come against them, but by God's power, they're running right through it. 
When they start jumping, you want to know, and we're going to get to leaping in a little while. But another reason why is because they recognize the enemy tried to build a wall against them. But by God's power, they're just jumping right over that wall. Now, I like this next one. Psalm 119, verse 32. I will run the I way will. of thy commandments. Now, a lot of times, David talked about walking in the path of righteousness. And, and, and he talked about walking after the commandments of God. But I like this. He said, I'll run the way of thy commandments when we thou shalt enlarge my heart. heart. When I get excited about what your word says, I'm going to take off running. Has anybody had your heart enlarged by the word of God? Has there ever been a moment when the word's being preached and you felt like it was just more than you could contain? When your heart is enlarged, why don't you run the way of his commandments? Woo! And then here's a good example that I feel like can be used. A principle here, Matthew 28 verse 8. And they departed quickly from the sepulcher with fear and great joy and did run to bring his disciples' word. Now, you understand, they had gotten to the tomb and found the tomb was empty. And when they realized the tomb was empty and they realized that Jesus was no longer dead, you know how they responded to that? They didn't just walk back to tell everyone, well, this is a nice story. Can't wait to tell my friends about this. But the Bible says they got so excited. I'm going to tell you what running is. It's a sign of excitement, of extreme excitement. And in this case, it was excitement over a message that they had. Oh, hallelujah. I'm going to tell you, if anybody here is still excited that he didn't stay in the grave, but he came out victorious. If you get excited about the message of truth that I preach Tuesday night, if you get excited, you ought to run. That's a sign of excitement about a message. All right. So what about this rolling? You know, it used to be years ago, and some of you that are fairly new to Pentecost, you, you don't know this, but I'm an old timer. I'm not an old preacher, just an old timer. Sister, no, I'm not going to put anybody else in this category, so. But there are a few others here that can testify to the fact that some of our forefathers, there was a nickname for Pentecostal people. And it was a name that they used to make fun of Pentecostals. And they did it because of what they saw going on in their meetings back then. Now, you got to understand back then they didn't have these churches. We're talking the early 1900s. And, and back then the Pentecostal people were rejected by the majority of Christianity. And so they weren't allowed in churches. And they didn't have money to build churches. So they would go out and build what they called a brush arbor. And what that meant was they'd take poles, they'd take branches, they'd take brush, and they would put it over the top of these boards. So they would have some kind of protection from the sun or the rain, the best of their ability. They would then bring in sawdust and they would, they would put sawdust on the floor or on the ground. It was the only floor they had. 
It was that sawdust so that they weren't having to walk in mud and whatever. So, so get the picture in your mind. This was the kind of church they had. But in the midst of this, people, visitors would come and they would watch these people as they would jump and they'd run and they'd dance and they'd do all these things. But they'd also see people get out in this sawdust and start rolling. Now, the other thing they noticed about these people is that they lived different. They didn't smoke and they didn't curse. They, 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 didn't, they didn't carouse and they didn't drink. And so they took those two factors and put them together to give the Pentecostal people what they felt like was a derogatory uh, title. They called them holy rollers. Now, I can promise you there's not too many even Pentecostal churches today that visitors are going to walk in and say, oh, those people are holy rollers. Not coming up with that based on what they see going on. But it was a part of our heritage. And once in a while, you'll see it going on here at Truth Church. Thank God. Because it, I believe we got scripture for it. And I'm going to give you I'm going to give you a principle here, all right? This is not one of those black and white things. This is my opinion, but I believe it's a principle that applies. And you're probably reading that verse and thinking, how in the world is he getting that out of this? I figured you were. That's what you get for trying to read ahead. Just stay with me. Praise God. All right. Matthew 21 and verse 16. And he said unto him, He said unto him, Hearest thou what thee say? What they say? This, was, this, was, this was at that time when they're, they're coming. Uh, they've been praising Jesus. He's made his triumphal entry, and they're calling him the son of David. They're saying he's the Messiah. And, and uh, even when he gets into the temple, they're saying it. And, and those religious Pharisees are mad about the fact that he's being called the Messiah. And so they said, Do you hear what they're saying? Jesus saith unto them. And Jesus said to them. Yea, have ye yeah. never read? Yeah, I hear what they say. And haven't you ever read? Out of the mouths out of, of babes. Out of the mouths of babes. And sucklings. And sucklings. Thou hast perfected thou hast praise. Thou hast perfected praise. Now this was the children, the Bible says, if you back up to the verse before, that were praising him in this way in the temple. And Jesus said, haven't you ever read that out of the mouths of babes and sucklings thou hast perfected praise? Well, let me ask you a question. A babe, that's an infant. A suckling, that's an infant. I want to ask you, how does an infant move? What's the very first thing mama notices about that baby? He rolls over. And boy, what a milestone when baby rolls over. Now, he can't walk. He can't jump. What? He can't run. He can't walk. He can't jump. But he can roll. And you got to have sides up on that bed because he'll roll right off. Once that baby learns how to roll, he don't stop rolling. Is anybody with me? And Jesus said, you want to know what perfect praise is? Look at the babes and the sucklings. They've got perfect praise. They're doing the very best that they can do. 
I'm saying, God, make us holy rollers again. Get that old stinking pride out of us. We're too worried about messing up our hair or getting a wrinkle in our suit, scuffing our shoes. God, get that out of us. Take us back to those brush arbor days and let us once again become holy rollers. I got to hurry. I got seven minutes and I got a long way to go just to finish part two. Do you understand now why, why that, what that verse, you said you didn't understand it. What, you got, all right, all right. Just want to make sure. Just making sure. All right. Now, why do we sing loudly with all of our hearts? Do you ever notice when you get in here, it's a little noisy in here. It's a little noisy in here. Do you know why? Let me show you why in the Bible. Second Chronicles chapter 15, verse 14. And they swear unto the Lord with a loud with voice. A, now, this is not cussing. They're not cussing God. They were making a promise to God, making a vow to God. And they made this vow unto the Lord with a Loud voice. Loud voice. And with shouting. And with shouting. And with trumpets. With trumpets and with, with cornets. cornets. I'm telling you, there was a loud voice involved, uh, amen, in the worship and the praise that was going up from the people of God. They made this vow and they did it with a loud voice. They weren't being quiet about it. They weren't embarrassed about it. All right, I got to hurry, I got to hurry. Psalm 33, verse 3, listen to this. Sing unto him with a new Sing song. Sing unto him with a new song. Play skillfully Play with a Play skillfully voice. with a. Oh, it's just too loud in there. It's too loud in there. Look, all we're doing is obeying the Bible. The Bible tells us to be loud. How about Psalm 98, verse 4? Make a joyful noise make a joyful, unto the Lord. Wait, make a joyful what? Noise. Noise. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord. And all the earth. All the earth. Make a loud make noise. Make a loud noise and, and rejoice, rejoice and, and sing praise. You know what we were doing a while ago when we were singing rejoice, rejoice. You know what we were doing? We were just making a loud noise unto the Lord. We were rejoicing with a loud noise. I'm telling you, God likes it loud. When he speaks, it's like thunder. There's only 30 minutes of silence in heaven. And that's because everybody's shocked at the anger and the wrath of God that's poured out on humanity. But once that's over with, heaven becomes a very noisy place again. If you don't like noise, you're going to feel very uncomfortable in heaven, my friend. Heaven is going to be a noisy place. Now, 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 granted, granted, our hearing's going to be perfected. So we're not going to have sore eardrums when it's over with. I'll give you that. But I do want you to know it's going to be a noisy place. And so you might as well get used to the noise down here. All right. Why do we play musical instruments? I'm trying to go through this quickly. Second Samuel 6 and 5. And David and all the house of Israel played before played the Lord. Played before the Lord. On all manner on of instruments. All manner of instruments. Made of fir, made wood, of fir wood. Even of on harps, harps. Even on psalteries. On timbrels. Timbrels. And on cornets. cornets and on cymbals. cymbals. All manner of instruments. That's how they worshiped God. 
And I, there's a church in the world today that says, well, the New Testament doesn't say it. Well, in case you hadn't figured it out, the New Testament was filled with people who learned worship from the Old Testament. And what they did in the Old Testament is what they brought to the New. So they didn't have to come back and say it again. It was already established. All right, Psalm 33, verses 1 through 3. Rejoice in the Lord. We read part of this a while ago, but I want to hear. I want you to hear more of it. Rejoice in the Lord, O ye righteous, uh-huh. for praise is comely for the upright. Right, praise, praise the, the Lord, Lord with harp. With a harp, sing unto Him, sing unto him with a psaltery, with a psaltery and, and an instrument, instrument of, ten, of strings. ten strings. Sing unto Him a new song. A new song. Play skillfully, Play skillfully with a loud noise. With a loud noise. Now the man who prayed me through the Holy Ghost he used to refer to this, uh, not this one, but verse two. Uh, read verse two again. Praise the Lord with a harp, uh-huh. sing unto him with the psaltery uh-huh. and an instrument of ten strings. Yeah, yeah. So, so the man that prayed me through the Holy Ghost, uh, he, he used to say, you know, I can't play any instruments. He said, I, I play an instrument with ten strings. He said, that's the only thing I can do. That's my ten strings. And that's what I play before God. Hallelujah. I don't think that's what the psalmist meant, but it works. Praise God. Amen. We we, we just worship God. Amen. With the instruments, whatever instruments, we're going to do it. Amen. Praise God. All right. Where was I? Uh, that was Psalm 33, verses 1 through 3, and then Psalm 98, verses 5 and 6. I'm trying to hurry. Read, read, read. Sing unto the Lord with the harp. With the harp. With the harp. And with the voice of a song, uh-huh. with, trumpets with trumpets and sound of cornet, cornet, make a joyful noise before the Lord, the King. All right, I, I'm trying to show you. I'm giving you two or three witnesses in every category we deal with to show you. It's not just one verse taken out of context. But what we do, we do it because the Bible tells us to do it. Well, praise God. All right, now, why? Why all the crying, the weeping? Sometimes you'll hear wailing and moaning. Let me go through some verses here. Luke 7, verses 37 and 38. And behold, a woman in the city, which was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at meat in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster box of ointment, and stood at his feet behind him weeping, and began to wash his feet with tears, and did wipe them with the hairs of her head, and kissed his feet, and anointed them with ointment. Now I'm telling you, this woman began to weep at the feet of Jesus, and this woman was recorded in the Gospels. Not everybody Jesus encountered was recorded in the Gospels. In fact, John said if every miracle he performed was written down, the world itself could not contain the books. But this woman was written down. Not because of a miracle that was performed, but because of her love for Jesus. And she wept at his feet. And I'm going to tell you something. Every one of us need to cry once in a while. I know, I know men, we've been taught Men don't cry. Now that was that was a that was a previous life. Today men don't even know they're men. I don't want to go there. I'll be here all day. I'm look. I love the sinner, but I hate the sin. And I hate how messed up the world has become. When God created humanity, he created them male and female. That's it. God only created two genders. That's it. Right. 
only two genders. People created every other gender. God only created two, male and female. That's it. So we don't want to get caught up in all that. But um, I don't know how I got on that, but I got on it. I, I Yeah, blame it on me. Anyhow, they just threw me under the bus. We might as well have a little fun while we're going through the word. <laughs> the Lord's stepping in and helping us, so I got to hurry, though. I don't have much time. So the Lord was impressed. He was impressed. And, and I, start, that's, I started to say men, we were taught men don't cry, but I'm going to tell you real men, real men do cry in the presence of God. They do cry in repentance before God. Real repentance will always bring tears. That's not being soft. That's not being effeminate. That's being grateful. It's being humble. All right, Psalm 6 and 6, I got to hurry. I am weary with my groaning. I'm weary with my groaning. All the night make All I, the my, night bed make I my bed to swim. I water my couch, water with, my my couch tears. with my tears. We're talking about crying and groaning. Psalm 55, verse 2. Attend unto me and hear me. I mourn, I in, mourn my in my complaint and, and make, make a, noise. a noise. And then Romans chapter 8, verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought, uh-huh. but the Spirit, the itself, Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with, with groanings, groanings which, cannot be, which cannot be uttered. And sometimes that's what you'll hear going on. I just want to tell you, it's in the Word of God. I've got to hurry. My time is up. Give me a few minutes because I've got to get to the last one. We're on six of eight. I've got to get to number eight, all right? But I also need to deal with number seven. So give me just a couple of minutes. Uh, number seven, why do we clap? And shout. Psalm 47, verse 1. Oh, clap your hands, all clap you people. Clap your hands, all you people. Shout unto God. Shout unto God with, with a, a voice, voice of triumph. triumph. Oh, clap your hands, all, all you people. All. all you people. All you people. Hey, let me show you, let me show you just how much God loves the clapping of hands. It wasn't just all the people God commanded to clap their hands. Listen to Isaiah 55 verse 12. For ye shall go out with joy and be led forth with peace. The mountains and the hills shall break forth before you into singing. And all, and the, all fields, the trees, all the trees of, of the, the field, field shall, shall clap, clap their, their hands. hands. God looks down at the trees when the wind's blowing and says, they're clapping their hands. God made them that way. Psalm 98, verses 7 and 9. Let the sea roar and seven the fullness nine. thereof. Let the sea roar, the fullness thereof. The world and they that dwell therein. Uh-huh. Let, the floods Let the floods clap, their, clap hands. their hands. Let the hills be joyful together. Yeah. Before the Lord, for yes, he cometh yes. to judge the earth. With righteousness shall I judge the world and people with equity. Yeah, yeah. So let me just tell you something. You want to know why we clap our hands? Now, again, let's go, back, let's go back to a secular scenario. You're at a ball game or you're at a concert. Why do you clap your hands there? Because you like what happened. And you're cheering on the performer. And if you clap long enough, if it's a performance, and you clap long enough and loud enough and you stand to your feet, the, the, the performer may have thought it was their final number, 
But you give them a standing ovation. And a lot of times, what do they do, Brother Larson? They bring an encore. They come back out on the stage and do it again. You know, I just think that's why God loves for us to clap our hands because we're saying, great job, Jesus. Wonderful work, Lord. Would you do it again? Could I hear a little bit more of that, Jesus? Could I see a little bit more of that? Could I feel a little bit more? Come on, Jesus. That's why, that's why, that's why I'm telling you, he, he looks, that's why he said, you know, he told him, he said, if, if the rock, he said, if you hold your peace, the rocks are going to cry. Somebody's going to be clapping their hands. The trees are going to clap their hands. The floods are going to clap their hands. Somebody's going to clap their hands and applaud the goodness of God. Well, I want it to be me. I want him to know I appreciate it. All right, all right, all right, all right. All right, all right. So if God likes it and says I need to do it, then I'm going to do it. In fact, I believe I'd do it whether he told me to or not because I appreciate what he's done. And I want him to do it again. All right, all right, number eight, number eight. What about dancing and leaping? Why do we do these things? 2 Samuel 6, verse 14. Stay with me. I'm almost done. Sister Riggin, come remind me that I'm almost done. Uh, 2 Samuel 6, verse 14. And David danced before the Lord with all his might. And David was girded with a linen ephod. He danced before the Lord. I'm sorry. I was still getting a drink. I'm trying to catch my breath. So David danced before the Lord with all his might. This was praise to God. Second Samuel 6, 16, listen to this. And as the ark of the Lord came into the city of David, Michael, Saul's daughter, looked through a window and saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, and she despised him in her heart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Boy, there's so much I could preach right here, and I don't have really have time. But, but listen to me. Here's... Here's what we see here. In this particular verse, there's several things that I need to point out very quickly. First of all, this is just two verses after the one we read. David was dancing before the Lord with all of his heart. He was putting everything. It wasn't just a fancy little two-step, you know, barely picking his feet up off the ground. He was dancing with all his might before the Lord. And then, now David was king at this time. And Michael was his wife. That makes her queen. And she's looking out the window, and she's proud, and she's arrogant, because she was also the daughter of a king. Her dad was the first king, and he was a very proud and arrogant man, and obviously put some of that in his daughter. And she thinks this is the way a king. She'd never seen her dad act that way. Saul had never gotten out there and danced before the Lord. And now here's David. And she doesn't like it one little bit. He ought to be walking with his head held high. Attendants fanning him. His crown squarely on his head. But no, he's out here. He threw off his kingly robes and he's dancing like he's crazy. 
and she looks at it and she despises it. Now, I said there's a couple things. First of all, I want you to see that he was not only dancing, he was dancing and he was leaping. Everybody see that? And as the ark of the Lord came into the city of David, Michael, Saul's daughter, looked through a window and saw King David leaping and dancing. So this gives us a biblical example of someone leaping or jumping in praise to God. And he was dancing before the Lord, and she despised him in her heart. Now, we could go on and read that the Bible says that because of this, Michael was childless to the day of her death. She had no children. God cursed her immediately because she despised praise. You know, I used to run into people who said that, that when, when somebody would say something about, well, you know, get out here and worship with us. Get out here and praise with us. Oh, no, I get my blessing watching someone else. I only find one person in Scripture that God ever pointed out was watching someone else praise, and they did not get a blessing. That one person was Michael, and she got a curse. God doesn't want you getting blessings by watching. God wants you getting blessings by participating. Praise is not a spectator sport. Did you hear what I said? Praise is not a spectator sport. Praise requires participation. Everybody ought to do something. If you can't run, if you can't jump, if you can't dance... Clap your hands. If you can't clap your hands, lift your voice. If you can't lift your voice, stomp your feet. Find some way to praise him. All right, all right. Ooh, Jesus help me. This is, does anybody know Joshua's phone number? He got the son to stand still. I think I need Hezekiah. Let's get it to move backwards. That's what I need. All right, Psalm 149, verse 3. Let them praise his name in the dance. dance. Let them sing praises unto him with the timbrel and harp. All right, so there is let them praise his name in the dance. Psalm 150, verse 4. Praise him with a timbrel and dance. Praise him with a timbrel and dance. Praise him with the stringed instruments and organs. All right, Luke 6, 23. Rejoice ye in that day. Now this, this, this is in red letters in my Bible and probably in your Bible as well. So this is Jesus speaking, and he is giving a command, and he says, rejoice in that day, and? And leap for joy. Leap for joy. Jesus commanded us to leap. Right. Read. For behold, your reward is great in heaven, for in like manner did their fathers unto the prophets. Now, he's saying here, he said, look, when they start persecuting you, this is the way you ought to respond. Leap for joy. Because that's what they did to the prophets too. So don't think you're alone in this. Don't think you're being persecuted all by yourself. Just get in there, leap for joy. All right, but it's a command. Leap for joy, leap for joy. All right, Acts chapter three, verse eight. This is the lame man when he was healed. Here's what he did. And he leaping up stood and leaping walked. Leaping up stood and walked. And entered and with them into, into the, temple. the temple. doing what? Walking, Walking and leaping. and leaping. And praising and God. And praising God. He went into the temple leaping. Well, don't you think you would if you hadn't had use of your limbs and all of a sudden God just performed an instant miracle? I don't think you would say, Our Father, thank thee for thy kindness. 
Thou hast blessed me abundantly to restore unto me the use of my lower extremities. I, I, I don't think that's the way you would do it. When you haven't walked and all of a sudden you can, you're going to be checking these things out. I want to know how well they work. Walking. Oh, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. And leaping. Look at this, boys. Now, I know it wasn't a big deal to people who've been able to do it, but it was a big deal to him. And see, when you're out here and you're jumping and you're praising God, somebody says, why's he doing that? Well, it may not be a big deal to them, but if you knew where the Lord had brought me from, it'd be a big deal. It's a big deal to me. Uh, praise God. All right, all right, all right. So my last scripture, my last scripture, I promise you, my last scripture today. Luke 10, 21. Now, I should have put some of this in red. I didn't, but part of this is in red. But anyhow, Luke 10, 21. In that hour, Jesus rejoiced now, in spirit. Now, now, now Jesus, everyone say Jesus rejoiced. In that hour, Jesus rejoiced in spirit. And said, I thank thee, O Father, uh-huh. Lord of heaven and earth, that thou hast hid these things from the wise and prudent, and hast revealed unto the babes. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in thy sight. Yeah, now, this is Luke chapter 10. He sent out the 70, and they came back rejoicing, saying, even the demons are subject unto us through thy name. And Jesus said, oh, that's no big deal. This is the Riggin revised version. Jesus said, oh, that's no big deal. He said, that's no big deal. I saw, I saw Satan fall as lightning from heaven. I'm not impressed. He said, don't rejoice because the devil's subject to you. He said, you want to know what to rejoice about? Rejoice because your name is written in heaven. That's something to rejoice about. And the very next verse, the very next verse is verse 21. In that hour, when Jesus started thinking about people having their name written in heaven, in that hour, Jesus rejoiced. Now, let me just tell you, this word rejoiced in the original language comes from the Greek word agaliaho. Hallelujah. Agaliaho means to rejoice exceedingly or to exult. Not exalt, but exult. E-X-U-L-T. That's an old English word that at the time of the translation of the Bible meant to leap for joy. The Bible says when Jesus got to thinking about people's names written in heaven, he started leaping for joy. Jesus got so excited, he started leaping for joy. He started rejoicing exuberantly. I'm telling you, if Jesus can do it, we can do it. If Jesus did it, we ought to do it. Oh, yes, 
I'm talking about sending Judah first. I'm talking about praise that is in spirit and in truth. I'm telling you, when we dance, that's in truth. When we leap, that's in truth. When we clap, that's in truth. When we shout, that's in truth. When we cry, that's in truth. When we run, that's in truth. When we roll, that's in truth. When we sing loudly, that's in truth. When we play instruments, that's in truth. Oh, hallelujah. When we lift our hands in praise, that's in truth. When we pray together out loud, we're doing it in truth. Judah first. Judah first. Come on, let's lift our hands again. Let's worship the Lord. Let's worship the Lord. Oh, come on, let's give him some praise. Why don't we gather around? Let's come gather around the front. I know we're past time, but could we give God some praise to close this service out? I don't want to just preach about it. I want you to become a doer of the word, not a hearer only. Come on, let's give God some praise around this front today. Let's just take a few minutes and give God praise.